Good evening, folks. Welcome to the Town End podcast. I missed the late goal, so the start of my podcast, the introduction has slightly changed, so we're going to have to call it the dying minutes in daily, but welcome to the podcast, folks. We'll get on Donald Hanks and all the way from Chicago, Dean Pingu Arrowsmith, well, man. How's it going? Is it, is it a point... Is it two points dropped? Is it a point half gained? What is it, boys? What is it? Depends. It depends. And if you look at it from, um, if you look at where we were with a couple minutes to go, to the, obviously to the place we ended up at the end of the game. But before the game, you'd be like, maybe a point away, a boss is good. But the way it panned out, it's just, just a kick in the pants, really. Like, um, have just a, a bizarre penalty decision um, and then yeah you're suddenly you were level with bows and points and now you're a few points three points ahead of uh, Waterford so uh, look maybe in the grand scheme of things it's not the worst result but it just feels like it feels like a defeat considering how good everybody or the form of everybody around us it was a massive opportunity so uh, yeah feels a bit flat I think tonight yeah, yeah, I think, I think yeah. it is. Go on, Sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think you know it's the timing of it, isn't it? Just the yet. Can you hold on? Like we were just saying off air, I was kind of thinking in my head it'd be great to come on the podcast and say the highlight was how wound up the commentators were getting. Uh, the both both commentators and how much more uh, not impart how much more partial they were to be out in themselves as both fans. But it's just yeah, it's look it's. It's one of it's one of those you, you'd hope for before the game a draw away in Daly Mount probably would have been a good result after leading for so long having having some great chances like McMillan's chance which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, you know you just you were hoping at that point you were going to hang on and uh, and Peter Terry made some great saves as well and in, in in the second half you know we were under pressure. Um, so it's just. As, as as Donald says, it's not the worst result in the world. It's just a killer, isn't it? Just the time and timing of when it happened. Yeah, and I think it, it probably doesn't it probably doesn't help that when you see the chances, like you mentioned, when you're Davy Mark, Sean Murray, you know, you've got Pat Hogan going off just before half time as well. So whether that would have added up maybe to a different second half, we don't know. But it's it, it's not like we were in charge of the game either. We like and in an overall game, you're probably looking at it. We probably would have snatched three points. We probably would have, I wouldn't say robbed three points, but, you know, both seem to put us, like, you know, Peter's made a couple of great saves. And, you know, I think early on, I was trying to even debate, we were talking half time, the first half. I don't know if I was just, if it was just a poor half or, the, or it was just, I don't know if it was just a quiet day even part. It just seemed like a very boring first half of football. Now, that's just my, I don't know whether that, because if you were at the game, maybe the boys were at the game, it might be different. But it just seemed like a really feisty little bit in it. But it just seemed like a very, just a boring first half of football. Is it? Is it just me? Oh, the, the I had two two notes. I think from like the first twenty minutes. Um, the first one was that uh, Bose sent somebody out from the heart locker to get rid of the uh, smoke bomb that someone had thrown onto the field, and that uh, Bose had one of the strangest corner setups I've ever seen. Um, so there was nothing really going on, like, um, and I think for the rest, like for most of the first half, it was the same. Like, there's half chances here or there. There's, hmm. uh, I I know, like, Bose were like the lads in commentary. The lads in commentary were like, were amazing in, uh, in different ways. But <laughs> they were talking a lot about how they've Rovers on Monday and then the Cup semi final on, uh, on Friday night. And I don't know whether. They were distracted. It seemed like we weren't we weren't at our best at all tonight. Um, I think like I think the um, the issues like that we encountered in the second half. I don't I don't think Dave McMillan was fit enough to play that length yeah. of time. Um, I didn't think Dickie Kelly looked sharp either. Like obviously both coming back from from being out for so long, it's hard to expect them to to uh, to be as fit, but. Yeah, the match seemed like it was lacking intensity or something in the first half. And then in the second half, we looked leggy and they had a good few half chances. But yeah, it just wasn't the easiest watch. Um, and then it does leave you with a horrible, sick feeling at the end of it because because of how it ended. But 
yeah, wasn't them, wasn't the best of games, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'd agree. I, I thought it was um, a tough watch. I think once we scored, I think the game kind of actually lit up a little bit for about ten. There was a five ten minute spell right after that where Bose got on top a little bit, and it seemed uh, it seemed that before he got injured, um, which we think we think happened actually with that collision with with Talbot, but it seemed after we scored that Hoopin was everywhere on the pitch. I, I think it was you, Gally, mentioned in our in our private chat. He picked up the ball at one stage at left back and. He seemed yeah. to be playing almost as a as an attacking midfielder, picking up the play. And I think from a Dundalk point of view, what we lacked in the second half from from where I was listening in and watching the, the best that I saw, I think when, when you replace him with McMillan, and I've obviously talked about the work rate that McMillan has, I'd agree. I, I don't think he's fully fit yet. But I think as well, with the amount of pressure Bowes were putting under under the backs in, in, uh, in the second half, we didn't have that outlet that you get with Hoban with where the ball will go to his feet and he can hold it up and bring other players into play, you know. Where, yeah. you know, with McMillan and even with Dickie, Dickie Kelly, you're playing the ball over the top, but you're trying to play it in behind the back four and they'd run on to it, you know. So I feel like the ball just didn't stick up top enough in the second half. And we just, it, it seemed, both weren't great, but it just seemed that like they were the ones that were putting us under more pressure in the second half. Yeah, I think it was it was it's one of them that yeah, like I think probably I don't know if disappointment's the right word. It, we I both I don't know if both teams I, I don't really know it's one of those games you don't really know if both teams earned a, a victory. I like it just seemed to be I, I thought it was actually probably 20, 25 minutes into the first half. I actually thought there's a couple of feisty tackles going in, a couple of hard challenges. I really thought that. This, this, there's a red card written all over. I thought the second half would come out and just go at it, hammer and tongs, but it just seemed to be. It's almost like they were, like Pink said, it's almost they had one eye on the on next week, and maybe, maybe all nails of getting injured and stuff like that. And like, like we say, we don't know the extent of Pat's injury, and but it just seemed to be kind of yeah. Look at you know, we'll, not that we'll take a draw, but I mean, it's it's a lucky, it's not a lucky goal. I mean, we probably could have had a penalty for it, but I mean. After that, apart from Murray's chance, Davy's chance, there's nothing really in it. There's, it. It's really only that strike from from Sammy that that really separated up until you now. I haven't seen the penalty incident. I don't know if it's a penalty um, because I was too busy logging onto my laptop to, to I thought, thinking the game was over. That bloody legal I stream, but I we probably should have when you scale it back to the first half on on what we created and Sean Murray's form. We we probably should have and could have went tuning up. I think. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I, I like I see uh Byron McKeever saying the Bulls look poor and it was two points dropped, and it's kinda hard to it's kinda hard to argue with it. They didn't create like clear cut mm-hmm. chances. Like um I <laughs> felt a little bit like uh you know when sports writers uh or like football writers are at a game and there's a last minute goal and it completely changes their, their match report that they were about <laughs> to write. I had uh the amount of times Georgie Kelly missed, I had written down player of the month, Georgie Kelly misses, because I was about to be like, he's how on earth did he win player of the month? And then he well, he almost missed the penalty as well. But like the it's just it does feel like they could have been they should have been 2-0 up. And yeah. it didn't look like Bows had too many chances in them. Um they put us under pressure, like obviously they put us under pressure, but like Cherry made one brilliant save. I think another brilliant save, which was kind of hard to to yeah, see. And then yeah. you didn't get a replay over it. And so but yeah, it was one of those where like maybe if you're completely objective, you might look at it and think Bose weren't really likely to score in that game. But because we're not objective, we're watching and thinking Bose are gonna score, they're gonna score, they're gonna score. And I don't know. I think if they had gotten the second goal, could have been massive, massive three points. Yeah, I, I think without we, we probably don't. I don't know if we give out too much or probably not enough. Maybe, but I, the ref. There's a lot of talk on Twitter tonight about the, the, the referee, and I don't think he helped. I don't think he. Helped, I don't really think he helped matters. I think probably for both teams, he was probably poor enough. Um, I think it was, I'm almost sure it was a handball. He should have gave us a penalty. Um, but I think, yeah, look, it's, it's one of them. 
And when you look, and we're, and we haven't even talked into individuals yet. I mean, when you, when you look at the likes of Sloggett, you know, I thought Sloggett had a great game. Uh, Stanton again had a decent match. Um, you know, Murray, like, you know, I, I've listened to another podcast during the week. I think it was League of Ireland Central. It was Dan McDonald talking Sean Murray Swarms coming into that start of the season where there's a new contract either on offer or there's somebody else looking at him. And that, that it kind of coincided with that kind of form. I don't know if that's what it is. I think he's just had this run of fitness where he's able to just influence games now because he's probably confident that he can play maybe 90 minutes, 80 minutes. Um, but I thought he'd another an, a, another um, good game. And I don't know if Charlotte performed. I don't know if you all watched the Pingu or you're just listening to it. I don't know how it came across. On, you listen yeah. to LMFM or you're watching? Yeah, no, I, I got to see the first half and then I kind of was half watching the second listening into the to the best commentators I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, th- I think, you know, when we talk... We've talked obviously over the last month or so about the, the the rise of Huben and his form changing, and I think you know the same has to be said about Sean Murray as well. And it looks like those those two and Michael Duffy, all three of them, link up so well together. Yeah. And and it was one there was one play in the first half out on the left hand side where I think Murray won the ball, played it into Huben, who was able to play a little. It was like a little triangle of the three of them keeping the ball away from Bowes and. Um, yeah, I, I think Murray was great. I mean, when we talk about individuals, one individual that kind of disappointed me a little bit is Cleary. Just because he, he's a bit like of a head case, isn't he? You know, you just, you're you waiting for him to do something just mad. Like, I, I thought, to be honest, when he got the yellow card, I thought the way that he kind of, he grabbed someone at one point and just pushed them out of the way from the post team to go get the ball at one stage. And I was like, He's already on a yellow. Like there's a chance that the ref could give him a second yellow for that and just and send him off. But um, again, it's just individually. I think we're starting to get there. Though we're starting to look like a team, and, and you kind of know. Obviously, we we Kelly and McMillan, but we're starting to get like for like subs as well, aren't we? You know, you're getting those substitutions that now you're saying right, they can change a game. Um, yeah. Not, not, not to talk bad about the other lads, but we're always, you know, because of the perception of, of these newer players that we don't really know enough about them. Um, you're just not, not as full of confidence about those. The um, I think something that on Sean Murray, the the difference for him playing with Huben and playing with McMillan, I think, is going to be massive because Huben is. I, I guess I was going to say more stationary, but obviously the ball into his feet and then running off him. Him and Duffy had been doing that, have been running either side of him for the last couple of uh, games. But um, I think when like McMillan's instinct is to go, like to run in behind, and obviously that's not his strong suit to like hold the ball into his feet and bring players in around him. So I think that might impact. Sean Murray a little bit. He might just have to get used to playing with a different type of centre forward again. And um, I think there was a chance where there was a moment in the second half where McMillan got into his feet and Murray had gone past him. And it's like if that had been Huben, it was automatically he was turning and the ball was going out in front of Murray. And it it's just like there's obviously there's a lot to be said for McMillan being out for so long, and there's absolutely no way he was supposed to play for that uh, length of time tonight. Um, we didn't. Um, Huben's injury came in the goal. We haven't really mentioned the goal. Um, so, like after um, Talbot went full Jordan Pickford on Pat Huben. I, uh, I, 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 I think the cameraman even panned in on the goalkeeper on the incident because he assumed it was a penalty and they didn't even pick up the second yeah. ball. They didn't pick it up at all. I tweeted earlier on, like, did it go in? Because I hadn't even seen the ball hit the net. I saw Sammy <laughs> running off and celebrating, but I wasn't sure if it had actually even gone in. Yeah, it was... It, it was. I, I don't know what if that was the worst bit of the camera work or when they honed in on Peter Cherry for a good minute. <laughs> was it just video, the League of Ireland stream I was just watching Peter Cherry watch the game unfold at the far side of the pitch. But just, um, just for anybody who watched though, it commented in the uh, Man of the Match award is up for grabs tonight, so... Uh, for a pizza from Tony's Pizza, so comment in your your man of the match, and we we'll pick someone at the end of the show. Um, yeah, like the goal was, like you know, it's one of them, and like and fair play to Sam, he's reacted quick. You know, it's 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 come at him. He definitely wasn't expected to, to fall at his feet, and to, to dink it in, would you? I know, look, I'm not sure he planned to have a go over that, but if he had a help, probably hit it straight. It probably doesn't go in. 
Um, so yeah, look, the cameramen were just fantastic. It was, it was hilarious watching the. <laughs> yeah, crystals have a point there. They they were definitely doing nothing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the stream. Look, it's it's we can make a podcast and the stream. So it's it's there's no in between. It's either laughable or it's it's top class. When Chris Clark done it, there we go. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, look at the, I I think if it's not a goal, I think the referee. I, I don't even think he put the whistle to his mouth for a penalty. So that's I'm not even sure that was that was even an option in his head. But um, I just think the we never looked like up until then that, that was the chance we had and that was it. There didn't seem to be, you know, it seemed to be one of those goals that was probably going to win it for us, wasn't it? It was kind of I know Murray's had the chance, Davy Max had the chance, but we just seemed to invite both from then on. Like it's almost gone back or go back maybe six months. Both just seem to come on to us. You seem to just let them just invite. Now I know you've got Slogger playing out of position and stuff like that, but and like like Pingu said, Cleary's on a yellow card. He has that bit of recklessness in him. So they just knew, right, look, get at them and see what happens. But it was almost like we we ushered them on. You know, we kind of gave them that space to play and we just invited the pressure on to us. Yeah. And it's like it reminded me a bit of the Waterford game um, a few weeks back where like they got an early and it was earlier in Waterford than it was tonight, but kind of a have we'll hold on to what we have from basically the time that they scored and they try and get a goal in the counter-attack. And that night again they had an absolutely brilliant chance to go 2-0 up. And if they go 2-0 up, you think that's game over, same as tonight. But um yeah, for a team that's struggled for clean sheets, it's maybe it's not the wisest thing in the world to try and hold out uh, and get two clean sheets in a row. You know, like we waited <laughs> I think we had since July until Monday night or Friday night, and then we're looking for two in a week. So, um, ah, look, they, they were in fairness to them, they were very very close again too. So, I mean, like, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I think. Um... You know, when we look back at the goal as well, you look at the, the run the, the Hoover made again, you know, I've obviously yeah. made, no, made no bones about how critical I've been at times that with his work rate, but just being willing to chase in when he's seen the, the miscommunication between the centre-half and the goalie um, closing him down and putting his body on the line, you know what I mean? Um, and just let himself get spared by Brock Lesnar-style the, uh, the <laughs> you know? Um but no, you, you know, that, just that work rate and then the ball just fell lovely for Sammy and, and you know, he had that, and he, he took the chance when he got it and you're right, I, I mean, you look at that and you think to yourself, that's the kind of goal that'll win you a scrappy game like that there because everything up at that point was just very, very pedestrian, wasn't it? And we, even I was talking in, in our group chat and I was saying that, I said, you know, we looked like we were just going through the motions at, at, at that point, you know, both teams did, like no team looked really like they were going to go for it, so... It was great to see it, um, and it just, it, as I say, it was just one of those goals where you just felt like we're going to get a scrappy 1-0 here. Nothing else is going to happen for the rest of the game, and we were almost right. <laughs> yeah, we were pretty close to getting nothing at the, like for the rest of the game. Like There was the scrappy goal, and a few half chances. Maybe someone should have scored. The uh, the two heel commentators were like probably the most fun of the night. Cause normally, <laughs> normally, I turn off the away support, or support. <laughs> Freudian the, the away uh, commentators on on watch LOI or at least until they're winning and then I'm like yeah. right I'm not listening to it anymore but if we go in front I'm like I want to hear I want to hear these guys I want to hear them um... and I did, I actually, <laughs> I actually I actually the... they're losing to the dog <laughs> <laughs> I actually tried to sync up I, I stupidly tried to think if I could sync the League of Ireland stream with Adrian Taff and it just wasn't happening Adrian Gillow were just like with a minute ahead of everything, I was like, ah, oh, no, I can't, I can't. I, I just had to listen to it, watch it on mute for the last couple of minutes. But it, it's, I think, so. I just reading the comments on Twitter just before, um, there seemed to be, I think Pingu mentioned earlier on, when Huben went off, it seemed to be, I don't know if it was, if it was Davies Fitness, like you said, you said, Donald, if you come on too early, you know, after that, we don't seem to have anything. Like, this is where, this is where two, three years where Georgie Kelly would have come in. You know, you don't want to go back to that, but that's yeah. Just to see the comment there as well, is it something that that's really going to worry us now over the next couple of weeks? Is is 
if Pat is injured, you know, we don't really have, we've got Sammy, but he doesn't really play as an out and out forward. He's kind of that go between, isn't he, on, on, the, on one of the sides? It's, it's, it'll be an interesting to see what we do with Pat's. If Davy can be fit, he's probably going to be fit for 90 minutes. But we hope Pat's not going to be anything kind of a couple of weeks or anything like that. But is it something that's probably been overlooked, considering the amount of players we have seen? I, I think, I think it, it's probably going to be a change of style of how we've been playing. Yeah. You know, because. Because Davy Mack, you know, he drives on the ball going in behind the back back line. Um, Pat holds it up and brings the likes of a Duffy Murray into into play. So, look, I, I I would hope whenever Vinny gets interviewed after this tonight that he'd say that Pat just had a dead leg after that collision with uh, with Talbot. Because um, if it's a dead leg, hopefully it shouldn't take more than a couple of days to recover, and he should, fingers crossed he'd be all right for Friday night. But uh, yeah, I. It's a hard one to call, isn't it? It's you know we we had Kilduff, who was very like McMillan, um, and this is the first time in a, in a long time we've got two strikers that play completely the opposite style of each other. Yeah. Uh, but you're probably asking the question now: How fit is Davy Mack to go 90 minutes next week? You know that that would be the if Pat's not fit, that would be the bigger question I'd have because I think looking at how the dogs playing at the minute and just looking at the confidence that's in the squad. You would think to yourself, if they have to kind of adjust the style of play, they'd, they'd be able to do that. Um, it's just going to be how how fit is McMillan for 90 minutes. Yeah, I see. I think with having Dummigan back, I'm assuming nobody's suspended for Friday night, but then somebody might have picked up a yellow card two years ago and now they're suspended for Friday night. But um, if Dummigan's back in, then you get to uh, you get slugged back into midfield. Sammy probably doesn't start. Um, next week, yeah. um, I'd imagine like say McMillan, say Huben can't go, McMillan would probably start and give you like sixty minutes, and then you're looking at what type of game it is when he's coming, like when it comes to sixty minutes. Like if they're in front, then maybe you can throw Dickie Kelly on to do a similar counter-attacking job to tonight, but just put him up front and just have him just keep running in behind. And um, the problem is going to be, I think, if if Huben's not ready. And we're behind, and we need Davy Mack to do to give us ninety minutes. I'm sure he'll do it, but what quality you'll get from him is up in the air at this stage. Um, I think that they still obviously they still have a threat. Like whatever centre forward is playing, it's just I think that last half an hour might be might be crucial to be in the lead for the last half hour if if uh, Huben. Is out, but like we're saying, if it is a dead leg, then maybe Huben can do an hour, and then McMillan comes in for him. So we're speculating, I guess. But um, there's ways around it. It's just, yeah, it's it's like a, it's a change in style. It's not like a massive change in style, but it is a change in style depending on which one of them is up front. Um, and yeah, it's a strange one if you're going all week wondering whether Huben's going to be fit or not. What systems are you working on? Like, what are you are you working on? You know, what we've been working on for weeks now with Huben up front, or do you have to kind of change it a little bit because you think maybe he's not going to be there? McMillan's going to be up top, so um, yeah, it's a big week. It is pretty like desperate timing, and um, with the game next week. But I mean, <laughs> I had it. I, <laughs> we were on the we were on the, the absolute bare bones until two boys came back tonight on the bench. Yeah. We were one injury, like one injury away from catastrophe. Like so, um, at least the timing is better than if it had been two weeks ago that he got injured. Because at least we have Davy Mack on the bench that can come on for him. Yeah, I, I think you know you, you take the squad that's there now at the minute. The fact that they've, you know, I, I wouldn't say settled, but the fact that they've they've got this what we were looking for to start of the season. This world we have thrown with this cohesion and. The kind of it's not that the side doesn't pick itself, but people now kind of have right. Well, this is probably the best nine or ten, and then we mix it up front. Whatever, if there's an injury and stuff, but surely there's probably Vinny's probably got a plan. You know, we're not. I don't want to jump ahead to next week straight away, but you know, a squad like that should be able to cater for something for an issue such as that. I mean, if Pat Hoban is out, you've got David that can play sixty minutes or even come off. But surely there's an option there, whether it be Dickie Kelly, whether it be Sammy. You know. 
you'd like to think that barring any massive catastrophe of injuries in the next couple of days, whether it be the pitch or touch wood, any more COVID issues or anything like that, we no have it like I'm about to say we shouldn't have any issues, but then you forget the opposition is Stephen O'Donnell's path and it's just it, it could be a it could be game of the season. It really could. Um Pingu, do you think do you think the boys are part to be rubbing their hands together tonight? Or do you think, you know, do you think they fancy themselves overall over 90 minutes against you know, Dundalk in full flight? Uh, I mean, cup semi-final, you have to fancy yourself, don't you? You know, um, yeah. and you're talking about one of two managers in the league, um, big friends of between the stripes, Stephen O'Donnell, um, who... You know, he probably knows Dundalk better than anybody and he's got players in the squad that know Dundalk better than anybody. So, yeah, I think they are going to fancy themselves, but, you know, Vinnie Parrott's going to hopefully know the way Stephen O'Donnell thinks too, you know. So, I, it's one of them, you know, like obviously with the, the Hoban situation, they'll be happy with that. But I, I believe um, at the end of the commentary tonight, they were saying, did Pats get someone sent off tonight as well? Aye, Ronan Cockman was sent off. So he'll he'll most likely be out this week. Um, if it was a straight red, that means he'll miss a, a domestic game automatically. So, um, you know, every cloud, every cloud is a silver lining and all that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I, they will fancy it, but as, as the way we've been playing, we're the form team over the last four weeks. So we have to fancy our chances with or without Pat. Um, yeah. That that we have a chance of of getting a result and. You just have to think to yourself that this time next week we'll be celebrating another cup final to, to go to. I might even fly home for it. Yeah, there's there, a big no promise. Pressure, there's a big promise. Folks. Maybe. It, it all depends if any of the players are listening to the one pingu back in the country. That's the big problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Pat, without, exactly now. <laughs> without, without just getting too ahead of ourselves, just go back to the night. Um, just a lot of comments we've seen on the side there for man of the match. One or two for Peter Cherry. And, you know, he he's probably come in for not going to be talking about the goalkeeping situation all season, but then when you produce, I think even the commentator said, you know, you never think he's 38 or 37. I can't remember the exact age, but, you know, he, he's been solid enough tonight, hasn't he? He's, he's, he's He probably probably has more command and presence than any goalkeeper we've seen all season. I know any of three, but there's been a lot of changes. And I think it's probably just been settled now that, you know, this back four and, and, and Pete seem to be kind of, you know, working well together. Yeah, well, I I um, I wrote a thing during the week about the... Um, I read it, yeah. I read it. The Jenga theory. Um, and the, uh, for anybody that didn't read it, which is probably anybody <laughs> that's going to watch this, um, the, the Jenga theory is that there's one piece of every team that's if that piece is removed, then the Jenga tower will yeah. crumble or team will crumble. And I made arguments, um, I was like, Huben, I shouldn't have said anything about anybody getting injured, but I was like, if Huben did get injured, McMillan would be there on the bench and we can plug him in up front and it's not going to be a huge drop-off or it could be an improvement depending on who you ask. Um, I like Mickey Duffy seems pretty irreplaceable on the left-hand side. That I don't think there's anybody in the league as good as him when he's on his like at his best. But the one that I think is the most irreplaceable now is Peter Cherry. That um, I think they're unbeaten since he came in. The um, like yeah, conceded goals, fair enough, but they. It's like it's almost it's I can go back to like what it was like being in the ground. Like there's it's a ta- there's a tangible difference when he's in the team. Like everybody's more confident with him. Um you see another excellent save again tonight. Like I said, I think there was another save that was probably better than yeah. the flashy one straight after it. But obviously you have to go back and look at it again. Uh but I think he's the importance of that position. And we all know how important a goalkeeper is and a good goalkeeper is. Um, and like you often hear people saying about you're not, you're never going to win a trophy without a dependable, at least a dependable goalkeeper. Um, and since he's come in, he's, it was, it was even going to say he hasn't been, it hasn't been flashy, but he's had some fantastic saves, but it's the dependability that's the thing to me. Like the ball coming into the box, 
you're not worried. I mean, I've mentioned this a few times before, but like his sometimes he does just stand in the line and a, a corner can come into the six yard line and he won't come for it. But overall, you're looking at like the back four seems so much more confident with him there. And I, it's like I, I find it hard for, to, for anybody to tell me that anybody's more important to them at the minute than him being in goals, which is absolutely mind-boggling when you think of how long he wasn't in and that we tried two key, keepers before him. He did have that absolute shocker um, earlier in the season, so it's not like there was no, there was literally no reason, but it's it's absolutely crazy for him to have been sitting on the bench for so long and now to be as important as he is. That's been good. Is it on? Thank you for it. Thank you, Scratch, Cal. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Donald just said ever. And I wanted to say, you know, I've been, I've been vocal about. I, I, I don't think Peter's the long-term option for us, and I still no. stand over that. But I think right now we don't need a long-term option for Oli. And um, I, I think Donald hit the nail on the head there. That he, he just breeds confidence in their back four. They just look so much better than they did. As, like we made a joke at the start of the season that. Uh, Dan Cleary was giving out to a baby just walking out of the tunnel, <laughs> you know, before the game even started. You don't see that now. You know, Peter, Peter's a presence behind them, um, and he's vocal. Still, they might have been able to understand Alessio a little bit more than the Scottish accent, but uh, you know, <laughs> but at least when he's vocal like that, they know their job and they know they've got someone sound behind them. Um, not. Not that he, as Donald says, he, he's still prone to a mistake here and there, and I think every game there is a little one, but it's not calamitous in the same way that that it has been with with Alessio Bibi and um and Yates in the in the game that we've seen him play, you know. So yeah, I I probably agree. I think you're talking three players that are undroppable right now, or probably Huben if he's fit, um Cherry, and I'd say Sean Murray as well. You know, I think he he's another one that has to start. Yeah, I think like, that's the way we're kind of looking at for start of the year. We're kind of looking at this kind of do we, is the best squad out there, you know, are we seeing kind of the same players being selected each week? And I think, you know, Barr obviously slogged it tonight. You know, it's, it's getting that consistency together. And, it, you know, in a way, yeah, we've got, you know, Pat Hogan maybe injured. We don't know. We don't think it's, we hope it's not massively serious, but you've got that, that, Team unity, you know, that kind of feel good factor going into a semi final. This is probably like you're talking about the biggest, like you're, you're already talking the biggest game of the last number of seasons because of where we are in the league and what a win in the cup would do to you, uh, do for the club, do for you know the fans. Obviously, we you know we, we jokingly call it the annual trip to the Aviva, but I mean, you know, we've probably taken it for granted over the last couple of seasons. Um, but th- this game next week now is. It has been massive all season, but when we're coming into, we've got this type of form behind us. It's, I, I, I dare say, it's probably coming. It's probably coming a perfect time, really, in in, in some ways. Um, but it's it's look, you know, we, we don't have too much to give it about tonight because you know, at the end of the day, most people before you know, if you're rocking up to fields at half seven tonight, going into, you would have taken a draw for the referee blew the whistle. So look, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to be annoyed that you know you. You've conceded the last minute uh, penalty at, at, at someone like Daily Mitchell. And, you know, we, we, we probably literally be giving out of it in the head of a semi final of a cup next week. About, about against probably on their day, probably the best footballing team in the league, in my opinion. When, when they're on it, they're as good as anybody. Um, so it's 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 nice coming on to a podcast just talking about the game. And we're not, yeah. there's not mad. Old controversy this week or nothing? Is there not? No. Well, we we there, get there, there, was, there was a little bit. There was there was a little bit of people were watching, but the bits of people were picking it up or not. Um, but yeah, no, you're you're right. I think it's it's great to be looking forward, isn't it? It's it's great to be just talking about a match and then looking forward to next week. Um, I I think honestly, if we have this season, we just had and win a cup, and I think we've got a great opportunity to do it if we if we can knock out Pats on on Friday. Um, yeah. what, like a season, what a season that is, you know. Like, um, like I was listening to Dan O'Connell on, on League of Ireland Central, and he has his favourites, like he not, not in the boogie, but he said that they're easily the favourite, the favourites to win, in his opinion, to win the cup because just of the history and the run they're going on at the minute. Because he was on, he would have them dogged in his favourite. So, you know, it's 
I don't think we would be, but I, we have that underdog tag at the moment. But I think the boys they could strive of it. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. Look, I, I, I don't. Uh, go on. I, th- I think you know we have to give credit to Vinny as well for the last few weeks, don't we? You know, for for galvanizing yeah. the squad, and he's actually done less talking, and he's kept the noise out by by the by what we're seeing anyway. At least you know there, there's not as much kind of hullabaloo as there was four or five weeks ago, and. Um, He's gonna he's gonna be pushing for a cup win because that's that's the cup that he missed out on in 2019, you know. So you've got that added incentive from his point of view. It, it's probably a little bit personal to him to bring the cup home to Dundalk, the the one trophy that he wasn't able to. Um, yeah. So so look, at, we we'd be hoping um, that we do that, and if we do, if we get to a cup final, I mean, the talk needs to start back up again. Is is Vinny the man for the job long term? Well, you have any players? That's the yeah, and not not to harp on about League of Ireland Central. It's just it was fresh in my memory of coming on tonight. Dan, I know people, you know, oh, Dan's Dundalk, this kind of crack. But he was basically saying ninety. If anybody listened to it, he was ninety nine percent sure that Will Patch would be going to Derry. He's ninety nine percent sure it's happening. I didn't realize it was that. I know you hear all the rumors. It's when you hear someone like Dan McDonald saying it, you kind of have to. Take notice, don't you? It's kind of a and he like Patrick another good performance tonight. Not you know when he's on the ball, he, when he's moving with the ball, he's 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 unplayable on his day, isn't he? I think Jerry King Lawler mentioned that on commentary tonight as well. I don't know if he picked up the same thing that you oh, did. did he? Okay, that uh, he's more than likely off to Derry. But like, I mean, we we've we've heard that now for a while, hmm. um, and it's not really a surprise. I mean, you automatically thinking when he comes back from Derry to us. That he, when he's out of contract at the end of the season, he'll just go back to Derry. Like they know, Rory Higgins knows the exact player that he's getting. He knows the manager that he's going up there to. So it's just, it just makes it makes too much sense, really. And then, obviously, at the time we didn't know he'd be going up there to play with McElhenney and Duffy. So, um, and maybe Player of the Month, uh, Georgie Kelly, <laughs> but, <laughs> just to throw into the mix. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's uh, look, um, I don't know whether like the um, the past, uh, past result tonight is just one of those things where you're like, they probably had an eye on next week. It's hard to know, obviously, because we didn't see it and we're just guessing. But I and I don't know whether Pinky you saw that, but Dan Pope's after telling us that Cochrane will be available next week. It's all um, He's going to Dan, be Dan's gone and absolutely ruined the buzz for everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be suspended sometime in 2022. Uh, he won't be allowed <laughs> to watch or something. I don't know what the crack is, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's like I can't really do anything about it. But um, there'll be, I think that thing about like people are going to talk on Doc into being favourites. I think now because of the form that they've been in. Yeah, not to, like. Dan's obviously incredibly anti Dundalk and hates Dundalk and doesn't want Dundalk to do well. And he's this, is Dan, to... this is Dan McDonald. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, to... Dan, not Dan Pope in the comments. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, no, not him. But um, well, maybe he's doing it to his friends. I don't know. Huh. But uh, it's not like Dan is... Dan McDonald is trying to heap pressure on them and uh, further his anti Dundalk hatred or whatever it is. I genuinely think there's going to be like a feeling going into the game that Dundalk will be favourites. I know Pats are second and they beat us always a 4-1, four, 4-0 four 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 the last time in Oriel. And I, ju- I do think people are going to t- are going to like buy into that thing of like we're the favourites because we've won it so many times and we know how to get to the final and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, I'd imagine... I'd imagine the skipper's going to do the same. I imagine Steve O'Donnell's going to do the same thing. Like, he's going to be talking about how Dundalk are favourites and Dundalk know how to get to cup finals and we haven't been to a cup final in whatever length of time and this is a young squad and all that kind of manager stuff. Like, you're absolutely guaranteed that's going to come out before um, before Friday. Um, and it's up to Vinny to tell the players that they actually still have to go out and get a win you know they still have to perform and that thing of like Vinny getting a long term contract and stuff you, there was that story going around obviously um, about him getting 
the, the rumor, the noise or whatever that was going around about him getting the contract for next season. And then that went away. And you're wondering, like, would he take another contract? Like, we're all thinking he definitely will because he obviously has massive affection for the club and all that stuff. But if you told him none of these players are coming back, is he going to fancy mm. it? If he wins the cup, will he just be like, right, I'm a cup winner. I've completed the domestic everything. I'm away. Um, it's, I just wonder whether, like, or if he wins the cup and we finish higher than third last, so essentially you're asking him to win about four more games, maybe five more games. Um, that's enough. Like, that's enough for us to be like, yeah, 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 keep him. And I would, I'm like, <laughs> Gally took some shots a couple of weeks ago about um, suggesting that he thought uh, Vinny was the man, the right man for the job at the time. And I was exactly the same. I thought he was the right man for the job. And I still think if, if he has a decent squad of players, which he has now, and if everybody's fit, which we have a fit enough 11, you'll start getting results. Um, but it's just, there's just so many, so many questions really before we can even think about like contracts yeah. for next season and stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It, would, it would all hinge on, it would all hinge on look at, can he put a squad together? Is he going to be able to financially put a squad together? Not, not massive amounts of money, just what's he's going to have to deal with. I think that'll, that'll really be the, the be all and end all when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think, you know, there's only one man can answer those questions and that's Vinny, isn't it? But yeah. you would think, you'd have to wonder what his motivations are. You know, is his motivation when he won the, the Cup in 2019 or when he won the league, sorry, in, in 2019, people were still saying that was a Stephen Kenny squad. You know, so will he maybe relish the opportunity to have a blank canvas next year and, and build a squad and, and try and take them uh, in the same vein that Stephen Kenny did? On the flip yeah. of that, the league has changed drastically in eight years where you don't have full squads with no contracts um, at the end yeah. of the season. You know, the best the best players are going to be signed as soon as the season's finished for, and they'll know where they're going next year. So it, it's one of those, you know, but I, I think... And I've gone back, like I flip-flopped uh, throughout the season on, on my thoughts on Vinny, but I think over the last five, six weeks, I think he's definitely he's definitely done enough to warrant that opportunity. And if, if, if he wins next Friday, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Get him signed up. I, I, I wouldn't, no matter who's going to own the club next year, why wouldn't you want, to, want someone that's able to get you the two cup finals and two full, well, half a season he's got this year. He's got a Shamrock Rovers season, hasn't he? Um <laughs> If he can get us to a cup final, I mean, you have to be looking at him as being the prime candidate for next year. Yeah, I would. Th- you would think so, like, but then all logic goes out the window when you park up with all these things. Yeah. Should we go uh, to another match? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Don't. Really I, 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 I can start us off very. I'm all over Greg Slogan tonight for man of the match. Um, like I mean, Cherry's pulled off one or two say, but I think playing out of position, right back. Yeah, you know, I, I I find it hard to to, to make it. Look, I'm open for anybody else to come in, but I, that but that's that's what I'd be sticking with anyway. I, considering he's played right back, it's and he's been a great a great shift. Don't Do you want to go ahead? I'll go ahead. Yes, why not? Um... I will go, I'll go with Slogger too. From what I've seen in the first half, I thought he'd done very well. And then uh, his name kept being mentioned when I was listening to the second half. So uh, for the right reasons. Um, so for that reason and all the other reasons I've mentioned, I'm going to pick uh, Greg Slogger. Yeah, that's uh, three out of three. I'm going with Slogger as well. Um, I thought um, Sam Stanton had a really good game as well. Yeah. Um, Again, it was one of those performances that reminded me of when he was playing as the holding midfielder by himself, like when Slaggett was out. He can do a really good job there. Um, I thought he was good. <laughs> the uh, Andy Boyle was solid and Dan Cleary was Dan Cleary. Um, <laughs> uh, which is, I guess, a positive. It is a positive. He's entertaining. He absolutely looks like he will murder someone at some point on a football field and then wonder why he's gotten sent off while also trying to do solos around the referee. But he's um 
they were all good. Like Jerry as well is a good shout for um for man of the match. But uh, yeah, playing playing right back when you're not a right back and being as comfortable um as he was tonight, I'm it's it has to be um slogan for me. Yeah, I, I'd yeah, like I to apologise to, uh, to Shane Supple. I would have loved to give him man of the match just for his commentary because that kept, kept me entertained during the drab part of the game. But uh, you have to go with Slugger. I think when someone plays, I, I think if someone plays out of position like that, and not someone who'd be known for being astronomically quick, I didn't, I didn't actually think he was that fast to play that role. But yeah, I think you know you've already been harsh on one or two. But I think the fact that he's played there and. Um, Go to one. I will let you pick from the comments there who we're going to go with overall. Or uh, we've got a few. Those it started off kind of Peter Cherry, and then we've had we've had. It's pretty much been slogged the whole way, hasn't it? Yeah, I think pretty much. Yeah, pretty much all. Um, all slog it. I'll tell you, like <laughs> we give him. Uh, I uh, I give out about him, sort of. Saying he had an anti Dundalk bias, I didn't mean him, and I also don't mean that Dan McDonald has uh, an anti Dundalk bias. I'm not one of those people, but we'll I, we'll say we'll pick Dan Pope um, for man of the match uh, for the for the pizza. Well, not actually for man of the match. You don't get man of the match, but you get the pizza. Um, Good man. So, man. Um, we, we, we have we've we've comments coming in. I think there's one or two comments on Twitter. We have to apologise because the, the 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 show's not live on Twitter tonight. There's something wrong with the uh, the post going up, but there is people commenting. On it. You can't click the YouTube link and come watch it on YouTube if you don't have the old FaceTube. Um, there is um, there was a good reason for that. Oh, there we go. He tried Twitter. Me and Twitter went out last night and got uh, too drunk. Yeah. As uh, just you know, we do like to cover. We we try and cover all things over your back and all things from dark. And something I'd seen during the week, um, I'd like to get the boys' thoughts on it because obviously I'm involved with lady soccer, and uh, this might be of interest to some people watching. But so the club has gone looking for players and under 17 girls for a national league team. But the consensus seems to be you now. I wasn't. I, I was kind of aware, but I hadn't. I, I don't think it's been confirmed that they've knocked the other 19s on the head, but that seems to be the consistent the consensus underneath the post that was put up during the week. Or I think I actually think some parents have texted their parents of the under 19s players, ladies team who are playing. They're actually playing in the EDFL at the minute as a senior team, in, in what they were told was going to be the build up to joining the League of Ireland on the 19s league in 2022. But that seems has been scrapped. And they've gone looking for under 17 players. Now, I don't know if it's been scrapped. I can't, the dog haven't confirmed anything, but it seems that it's coming across in the parents that these girls were promised this carrot of National League football was, was dangled in front of them at under 19's level. And now they've decided to go with under 17's instead. Like, where do you, where do you go? Would it happen? Like, would I, at the risk of being sexist, would this happen at boys' football? It just seems. It, it beggars belief, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, you can uh, have players playing all the season in Oriel Park and then from the, the carpet we put under them. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we, we don't know the actual story about what's going on behind the scenes, but, you know, first things first, I mean, it's great news to see that there is an under-17 team going in at yeah. women's level uh, and not not before time. I mean, it should have been done a while back, in my opinion. Um, But, yeah, it's, you know... With, it, it's great news and it was kind of put out by the club as, as a great news story and then you go into the comments on Facebook and there's not one positive comment as you say Gally it seems to be parents and family members of the under 19s who have been not only put together to play in the NEFL but they've been beyond successful you know what I mean they're, they're going out and annihilating teams so it's kind of if it is the case of, of, of all those comments being true and that the, the rug being pulled from under them like questions have to be asked or, or there needs to be answers put out from the club like why not why aren't they getting this opportunity or if they're aging out of under 19 level why don't the club enter a team into the women's league you know what you know at senior level and let them play and have a young squad there that you can kind of build up um you've got clubs now like Belorgan have women's team key Celtic you've got the Castletown Bells 
Kujil Harps have teams at underage level and at senior level uh, down in Calvin that are playing NEFL um, and have played against the North this year. You know, why can't the club develop a structure now in the northeast of Ireland? Look, I've been blowing about this for years. But on the women's side of things now, where there's a growth and there seems to be a lot of positivity around it, um, the, the club should be do, making every effort, I think, to, to push forward, to have it at underage level. But I, I don't see why Dundalk FC wouldn't be looking seriously at having a women's team next year as well, having a senior ladies team playing in the Women's National League. Um, I, it just it seems when you look at the results in the NEFL, I, I think Gally, you, you probably follow it a little bit closer to me, but I think they may have lost to Kings Court. That might be the only game they lost this season, but they played Kudhill Harps, um, which is a team that my father, who's, who's a born and bred Dundalk man, um, my father formed the club down in, in Kudhill. You know, the, the best game I think was 13 or 14 nil at one stage earlier in the season, and. If you're going out and beating local teams like that, why don't you put yourself on the national stage, and and build it from there? And it just, as as I say, we we're, we're speculating here a little bit because we don't know the full story. But when you look at those comments, it just it, it doesn't read very well, does it? Yeah, it's it seems. It, I think the problem started. I think I remember an interview being done during the NEFL with coaches up at Orion Park and. They had said that the plan was to find them a league now, because this team would have been a young team. I think they played; they may have played under 18s in the MGL or 17s of last year. I'm not sure. I'm open to options on that. But what happened was what seemed to happen was they, they grew out of the rage in the MGL, so they put them into the NEFL to play a league this season. And the plan, I, I, it's written. It, it, there's an interview done, and the plan was to put them into the with the with the anticipation of going into the national league. So obviously, players and parents were told this. And they've, they've been under the tutelage of the coaches up there and fantastic coaches. I know one or two of them personally. And it seems the coaches mightn't have been aware of this either. I'm not really sure what, what's going on. And the irony is that last season, they had a young, they had a group of 15-year-olds who were playing in this squad. So this squad now on the 19s, they were deemed suppers to requirements because of their age group because they actually contacted various clubs around town to see if they could provide another 16 training set up for them, us being one of them, Castleton Bears, but we didn't have another 16 set up for them. So the irony is they've gated players who would have fitted now this under-17s team. So it, 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 there's no foresight. We're back to this thing of no foresight and rushing ahead and steamrolling on and not thinking of down the line. And, you know, it seems to be, I'm, just, I'm slightly just reading the comments there as well. And some of them, it, it's the same thing. There's nobody defending what's going on. There's nobody seem to be breaking the pattern of people are just so disgusted over this. So obviously these girls were promised. Now obviously you, you, there's nothing promised in life. You have to earn it. And, but going by the results and the way these girls train and play, you know, they give it a hundred percent and they come from all over the county as far as I know. And it just seems to be it's something that's sweat like I'd be a big advocate for girls soccer as anybody who knows me knows. But if this went on at the boys this this is all we'll be talking about tonight. We probably like the game probably about six or seven minutes. You know, it it it's and it doesn't get mentioned because it's ladies soccer and it's unfortunate. Like you know, times are changing, but it just seems to be. It was only for the comments. I never realised there was this kind of negativity towards. I just assumed that they weren't. They, they were doing both, to be honest. But it just seems to be. And I know some of the comments. I know some of the people have put it up, and there's absolute disgust over it. And it it just seems so unfair that. You would take the best of the best in town and and further afield, put them in Oriel Park. Like for instance, you know, Castle Bells don't have a senior team because we can't compete. So when you're taking the best of the Oriel Park and then not providing for them, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, I would argue they shouldn't have been in the NEFL anyway, because it would be like entering the boys' team on the 19s into the NEFL, then that wouldn't happen. But of course, there's no league for them, so I can understand why they wanted the competition for the season. But to then go and what it seems to me, the dog haven't put in another statement saying that they are or are not, but it just seems to be they've just cast these girls aside and just said, look, we're going with the under 70s. Now, I don't know if it's a thing of they don't think they're good enough. I think the results show that they're, they're, they're not bad. Um, it just seems to be another just catastrophe. It just seems to be another, I haven't used the word shit show in a long time, but it, it, it seems to be, it's just, it's just a disaster. It's just a disaster. Like, 
surely there's somebody who's sitting tall at some stage this is not a good idea. They're really like I know Donald, you might you, like you know you're the dog fan. You know the 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 girls soccer. I think you might coach the girls over in America as well. But even just as a non-coaching, good-looking fella, what what like coming from the outside? What would you like? What would you immediately think of this? Like if 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 you were a fan of this, what would like? I don't even know how it looked. I got a biased hat on because I coach girls soccer, but I'd like to get someone like yourself just to what you think of it. No, well, I, I'm um, I. First of all, it's like at least they're not planning forward with the men's team or the women's team. Like there's no <laughs> the there's no forward planning at all. Yeah, they're consistent across both. But the thing that like again, if you take out all the other stuff that's happening with the men's team and, and contracts and all that kind of stuff, this is the kind of thing that you'd be thinking they're gonna they'll try this because people won't react, because people like me won't be affected by it. Like shamefully. I I have a very passing interest in the women's yeah. football. Like the the Twitter and Facebook and Instagram updates and stuff. I see all them and I like clock the information stuff, but it doesn't really get on my radar. And that seems like what their what their reliance is that like most people won't care. Like it's the people that are absolutely directly affected by this, um, yeah. that are going to be upset about it and that are going to call attention to it and I mean what I had what I thought we could have done tonight was that you could have just done what you've just done which is explain this situation to me because I'm in I'm ignorant to this I saw these things come in yeah. and I'm like it's off my radar it's not something that I knew anything about I fully understood or fully understood I fully grasped the anger and the upset in those comments and what people were saying about it um but it is probably something if 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 everything plays out the way we think it's going to play out, um, there needs to be a little bit more attention brought to it because it seems like, um, again, it's just people not making uh, forward planning decisions and just being like, look, we'll just pull the rug out from under them. Yeah. Who cares? And and what's what's more annoying is that they have there's. They have history in this. Like this is not the first time a ladies' team or a girls' situation, like the girls' clubs have been like the like Castletown Bells came about on the back of being treated like shit in Oriel Park. Like my father was the chairman up in Oriel Park. Like he won't mind me talking about this. You know, it, it was just it was just a disaster the way it was run because it was it was just very simple. There was nobody paying attention to it. Nobody the success on the field of the men's. I might understand that, but it just seems to be it's it seems to be a recurring nightmare now for everybody. Like. The senior team that came down the line after my father's team became key Celtic. So that that's telling stories there where they're being developed in Oriel Park and then they're just not being paid attention to. And then they're just being able to walk right out the door. Like for two senior teams to walk out the door, if you count the cup winning team, it's three in a decade. They're just literally walked out the door and gone played somewhere else. And nobody, nobody bad in the Coaches, like everybody gone. And I kind of thought with this situation, it would change. Look at... We don't know the full facts of it, you know. We just we just simply don't know. We just, we just know that they're advertising for number seventeen, and there's no word of what was promised on the nineteenth. It seems, and, and you know, I'm sure there's people watching this. If there's still anybody watching this that don't have any interest in this, but this is it's part of the North Football Club. They're going they're going to hang their hat on ladies' soccer. They're going to get involved in ladies' soccer in Oriel Park. So if it's going to work, they have to do it properly. So it, it has to be run like everything else is run, and it's just. It's just so, there's so many people that would give their right arm to get up there and help that help out, and they don't seem to be able to reach out and do this. And 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 it's not that's not me, by the way. If anyone thinks I'm fighting for anything, I'm not qualified to do anything up there. But you know, there's people in town that are, and you know, it only take, it's only a phone call that would you know take. I know they're not well versed in national league and ladies soccer, but there's people who are. Plenty of coaches in town have been, and you know, just get them up, get it sorted. Don't like. It's, a, it's going to be a missed opportunity. A pingo, I'm not sure what way it works in Chicago. If there's, if it's going right up the senior level, or it's, if it's a, a statewide league, I'm not really sure. But something like this wouldn't happen at all, would it? No, I, it definitely wouldn't. I mean, the way that it works out here is the, the professional team out here is the Chicago Red Stars, and hmm. every other club has up to U23 um, level because 
college plays a big factor in, in football out here. You know, that's that's almost like the pathway uh, at underages yeah. into the college system. Um, and then out of those U23s and out of the college system, that's where Chicago Red Stars get their player pool from, or that's where the professional teams get theirs. But like, you know, I think when we look at the when we look at the broader picture of all of this, and and this is kind of getting away with what the discussion was about with with the underage system, but and I don't want to turn this into an anti peak six um peak six podcast to finish it off, but I I, I was talking to you, Gally, before we went on air, um about it is like. You know, they over the last couple of years, the club has taken this approach of signing young players fresh out of college, Tanner Dogan, um, Tariq Mohammed, and these players that that 100% haven't worked out right. They they've been here what four years now, I think three and a half, four years, um, in charge of the club. Why couldn't they work on establishing? a senior women's team made up of local players and these college athletes that that maybe didn't get their chance out in the in the national women's league out here you know and give them the opportunity and build build up a credible women's team where some yeah. dog then have have a men's team that's um performing in the Europa League you've got a women's team that are going to play in the women's champions league and then you've got people building up the game you know that that's where some of the problem is now is I, and I'm not trying to make excuses for anything that maybe is happening right now at the club, but you've, you're trying to build it from scratch. You know, and as you say, Gally, there was a women's team up there. And I remember the women's team back in 2010, um, whenever I was up there. And they were quite successful from what I remember at the time. You know, they, they weren't just a run-of-the-mill team. They were performing quite well. Like, what, Why is that being allowed to go? I, I, I feel like we've had this conversation about so many things over the last over the over the season, the course of the season. But why has that been allowed to fall by the wayside? You know, and why is that not there? So that now that women's soccer is so prominent globally, but it's it's starting to get bigger in Ireland. And and you look you look at the model with shells. You know, shells are just after winning the first division. The women just uh, just got into the cup final last weekend. And, yeah. and you look at the equal, like uh, if you look at their social media, Friday night is dedicated to the men. Saturday is dedicated to the women. Social media is only about the women. You don't see anything about the night before. Why can't Dundalk FC do something similar and start building the women's division? Uh, or sorry, start building the women's side of the game. And, and in fairness, Donald, I appreciate how honest you were there about, you know, you don't you don't have that growth for women's football yet. But the club haven't done anything to help you build that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if, if we had a team that was successful... And in, in all fairness and, and no disrespect to Coot Hill Harps, but putting up a putting up a, a story on your website saying you bet Coot Hill Harps twelve nil doesn't doesn't really whet the appetite because who yeah. who are Coot Hill Harps in the grand scheme of things? If Dundalk got a two one win against Drogheda United or or against a Shelbourne, then you're going to be more inclined to say, well, this is this is a well known club or a well established club against a well established club. So I I think there's a bigger picture here that. That maybe needs to be discussed, but yeah, I, I, I think a trick has definitely been missed over the last, uh, over the last three or four years. That Peak Six could have really invested in having a, having a strong men's team and having a competitive women's team. And that's yeah. me. That's me. Rant over. Isn't the um the irony of all this now where Peak Six are going next? That's that's what I mean. You know, they <laughs> they could they could have spent a fraction of what they're going to spend at Monaco. Yeah. On developing on developing a women's team here, and it, like I think we talked about it at the time, or maybe we talked about it off, uh, off air or whatever. But the um, how women's football is becoming more prominent and it's becoming it's covered so much more, and it, and it's covered completely differently than it was like two years ago or three years ago. Like it's coming on leaps and bounds, and it you'd be thinking that they're like, oh, like if we got in on the ground floor of an established football team and got in like in the women's division with Monaco, we could get into the Champions League. And it's like, no, nah, like, wasn't all that just here already? Like, couldn't you have just done that here? Exactly. It's just, yeah. I don't know. People I mean, forget which, the, dog, which, the, dog, which, the, dog, the dog ladies have been in the Champions League. Like, it's not, it's not yeah. unfathomable. Like, you know, the, that, that, that Sonia High team went to the Champions League. You know, it's not like... And that's only only talk of 15, 16, or 14 years ago. You know, it, it's my... It's just... Yeah. And like Wexford Dudes, Wexford Dudes <clears throat> over the last five years have actually been quite 
successful yeah. in, in Europe as well. You know, they got a couple of wins. I think they may, I, I could be completely wrong on this, but they may have actually got a good result against PSG a couple of years ago. Um, and, and just imagine the budget that Wexford youth ladies have when you look at the yeah. budget what Wexford men have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That they're able to get that. We're just a little bit more oversight and, and having a women's team, like Dundalk could have manu- manufactured over the last couple of years a women's team that would have dominated the league, you know, the Women's National League and got into the Champions League. And just imagine the knock-on effect that would have at the underage system. But it's, I don't know, that's, we could we could talk about this for ages. We were trying yeah. to keep this at 45 yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is part two, isn't it? This is the second yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can, I think we can probably end it on that place, can we? Just catches or act together. That's basically what we're saying. Yeah. And then, like, you just speak to the parents. That's like, I just seen the comments. You have to, you break your heart. Like, the world didn't pull over the right. Just, just speak to them. Just, like, that's your yeah, answer. It's, you know, it's just, a transparency thing, isn't it? Of course. Just be transparent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man, I think we leave it at that. What are we, one hour, eight minutes? I think that's enough for, uh, uh, what's, what's the word I use at the start? Uh, a, a dying minute daily, man. Um, yeah, look, thanks to everybody watching. Um, if anybody still is watching, I know I'm going, I get very passionate about KM soccer, anybody that knows me. But it's if you if you if you if you don't, if you listen to this tomorrow, have a read of the comments and then get back to it. Um but uh yeah, cheers, Shane. It is, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, but look before we, we finish we leave up, it at that. Before we finish up, uh today oh. is parent uh, or pregnancy and infant loss awareness day. Um, I've obviously been quite vocal on social media since since me, myself and my wife Emily lost uh, Charlie May back in December. Since then, a lot of Dundalk fans have reached out privately um, and fans throughout the league. So just thoughts are with everybody that, that's gone through something similar today. So um, just wanted to let everyone know that we're, we're thinking of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think, we, I think that's I think we can end up. We can't, probably can't end the show any better than that, Donald, can we? No, I mean, like it's just one of those things. Like, just obviously things that are much bigger than football, and that of course. that's one of them. So, um, I think we'll just hit the, hit the music now, will we? Yeah. Cheers, Pingu. Cheers, lads.